forbidden and banned, the bane of bureaucrats, exposing mainstream media's weapons of mass distraction. Flying under the radar and dropping truth bombs on tyranny. It's Liberty Now. Yoda, hello and welcome to Liberty Now. This is the show for discerning minds and common sense. We'll be looking beyond the headlines and the false narratives of the dying corrupt legacy media and we can think for ourselves. Thank you very much. Please be sure to subscribe to this show on your favorite podcast player app. And I'm your host, John Verd, trainer, piper, Navy diver, and Liberty lover. With me today is a guest I've been, he's been in the queue for a little while, really looking forward to this interview today, is Christian Yordanoff. Hi. Hi, John. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and thank you for reaching out. Um, we both have a, a strong health and fitness background. Um, you are more in the uh, wellness and nutrition side of things. I've been more in the personal training and uh, group fitness kind of area. Christian, you are a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and your areas of research include autism, uh, children's health, pregnancy preparation and recovery, and optimizing health and longevity. And you're also the host of a couple podcasts. We were just talking about uh, Connecting Minds and the Children's Health Podcast. You're a busy man. Yeah, like I said, it's it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Uh, usually now I'm trying to, when I record for the Connecting Minds podcast, it's a health, when I do a solo thing, it's health related, something that uh, a parent can also use. So then I repurpose that content for the other podcast and I eventually I'll put it on the website. And so it's, um yeah, so I, I got into, I got into this health stuff. It was mainly due to my poor choices when I was a, uh, um, in my late teens and my twenties, um, I just lived a pretty poor. I had a poor diet lifestyle for most of that period. Then, when I hit thirty, I, I started to really worry that maybe I'll start succumbing to the the diseases that ran in my family. So I, I oh, went yeah. on a quest to figure out: is it genetic, or did I did I cause this? Am I going to cause this myself with my my choices? So I started the the first thing I started getting to was it was the the health and longevity stuff, genetics, the microbiome, neurotransmitters, and um, seeing the my grandmother especially deteriorate in the last few years of her life was a big sort of wake-up call to what a scam the modern um, sick care industry is. And I had to figure out ways to opt out of that system, and uh, that that's what I that's what I dove into. And then around 2018. Uh, someone in my family, a, a child, was uh, suspected of being on the auti autistic spectrum. So yeah. that that caused me to dive into to to the literature to figure out again: is this, as they're saying, genetic for life? Nothing can be done about it, or is this another one of those things where the the genetic stuff is a scapegoat, or we just call things genetic until we actually fill out figure out the mechanisms of how they these uh, conditions occur. Right. Um, so I dove into that, and um, in tw 2019, I decided to write a book about it to, to share the information. And in 2020, I published the book on autism. So that's kind of how I got into the, the health space. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, born out of experience and necessity. Uh, yeah, and the age-old question, you know, is it is it genetics? Is it the environment? Or, you know, is it the internal 
uh, you know, your genetics. Um, and more and more as I look into these things, I think, I don't think that we're all predestined to have cancer, you know, even though it's becoming more and more common and, you know, mainstream seems to think, well, that's just, you know, part of getting old, you know, you're going to get some kind of cancer. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, and, you know, the, yeah. the more I learn about, you know, the toxins that are in our environment, um, you know, Monsanto, Bayer, and their horrible pesticides, uh, genetically modified foods, um, atrazine in the water, fluoride, all these things, um, they all add up and they yeah. take a toll on the, the human system. You certainly can't deny those things. Um, and in my mm -hmm. research, you know, genetics may affect how they manifest that, you know, the toxins or how it affects you. But mm -hmm. uh, I think in the presence of a, you know, a good, like you say, a gut, healthy gut, and a gut biome uh, and, you know, eating healthy. I think you're, you should be living a long and healthy life, not all the diseases that we're seeing right now. I can see why, where you're coming from uh, with your Connecting Minds and Children's Health podcast, especially the Children's Health. Are you familiar with uh, Robert Kennedy's Children's Health Defense? Yeah, of course. I actually interviewed um, one of the, Dr. Brian Hooker, who is, uh, at the time I interviewed him at least, he may still be his on kind of on the board of directors. Yeah. And I have donated to the Children's Health Defense. Um, they're doing some really good work on that front. Yeah. Um, I, the more I look at that too, the, this growth, this explosion of autism in young people, you know, since they've changed the vaccine schedules too, they've been putting more and more vaccines into um, single shots. You know, it used to be, um, measles, mm -hmm. mumps, uh, rubella when I was a kid. And then um, tetanus, diptet might have been like a combination one. But now they're cramming in MMR and uh, several others. And, and just these little poor little kids' bodies cannot handle all that. It's, it's just an assault on their system. And, um, you know, the kids that, that live that don't die of SIDS – which we're finding out is probably due to vaccines as well, are, like you say, likely candidates for autism. An interesting thing you, we see is in the Quaker community, there is no autism at all. Zero. Is it? Wow. Yeah. That's just a statistical fluke, John. Yeah, maybe just a fluke. Yeah, maybe it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Let's take off the tinfoil hats now. No, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's it's insane. If you look at um, when the, the the vaccine manufacturers got in, indemnified from being um, sued by the public, I think it was in 86, around that time, in the mid-80s. Right. If you look at not just uh, the childhood illnesses, but autoimmune conditions and a number, just disease in general has been skyrocketing for the past 150 years. And there's a few things that closely correlate to these trends. Some people, I think now they're using sugar a little bit as a scapegoat and you, it, 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 it does go up in tandem with the diseases. But what I believe is a, a bigger culprit here and many, many smart researchers are also sounding the alarm for the, the, the past while is the seed oils, so all your yeah. uh, safflower, canola, corn, uh, uh, um, soybean oils. So uh, since the 80, 80, 1880s, that's when this, we started introducing more and more of these seed oils. And 
yes, sugar, sugar does go up with the these disease stats, but so do the seed oils. And what you will probably find in in the absence of somebody's diet having seed oils, they could probably have a lot of sugar and still not develop these diseases. Because at the end of the day, sugar's been around for a couple of centuries before that, and it actually does coincide with the industrial revolution, with like all this humongous uh, uh, advancement in technology and and the scientists. So I I really think now they're probably using sugar as the scapegoat whilst they continue. We know that the seed oil industry is subsidized by the government. It's a cheap way to 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 first of all cre- create foods yeah. that not only sicken the population, thus requiring help help quote unquote from from other industries you know insurance health sick care we should call it et cetera yeah. et cetera yeah um but uh uh so that's one factor and then in the presence of all these other toxins that have been released into the environment over the last 100 or so years these toxins they because they have a pro inflammatory effect in the metabolism they cause oxidation or oxidative stress when you have these uh, very unstable, easily damaged, <clears throat> easily peroxidizable omega-6 fatty acids. And then you add these other uh, toxic insults, the, the heavy metals, the chemicals, the damage is amplified, right? So, right. Uh, these things, the vaccines are a big component of it, but we should not, not, we should probably not forget that there's dozens of other factors that are also contributing, right? Because if you look at populations right. that are not, uh, these Quaker, <clears throat> Quakers, I, I've not really looked into them, or the Amish, but I'm pretty sure that the Amish, at least, they're also starting to get some of these, quote-unquote, diseases of civilization, not as probably not as bad as <clears throat> as the rest of the USA, yep. because they kind of, they grow their own food, they use more organic methods, probably less exactly. EMS in their homes, but they are still s- starting to succumb to some of these things. <clears throat> so we have to see what other, excuse me, what other factors are at play? And there's dozens of them. Yeah, I was just having a discussion with a doctor friend of mine about um, holistic versus allopathic medicine. And, you know, the the idea that there's, you know, one germ, one bug, one disease, um, and one cure is where I think we really started to get off track instead of looking at the whole person and all the possible things that might be affecting that person psychologically as well as physically and environmentally. And, um, you know, there's multiple environmental insults to our bodies, our physiology and our minds right now. Um, Not even getting into all the, you know, social media pollution and disinformation and all that out there, but just uh, physically, chemically, environmentally. And, I don't think we can pin it onto any one thing. And that's the problem with the pharmaceutical industry is they pursue one single remedy for a symptom, but they're only addressing a symptom. And while they're addressing that symptom, they're probably causing other organ damage or toxicity in the body rather than looking at the actual cause. And that's that's the big thing to me is, is you want to look at the cause of what's going on in our bodies if we're having health issues or problems instead of uh, just glossing over, you know, trying to treat the symptoms and then giving, you know, the patients another pharmaceutical solution, you know, to help fix the, the uh, symptoms that that other medication caused, Yeah, you know, just one thing on top of another. So tell me a little bit about uh, 
who do you see in your practice and, and what is the most what are some of the most common ailments or complaints so generally because obviously we, i don't diagnose anything right? right so i don't treat or diagnose anything i help i help people who are you are the healer so you are the self-healer we are just <clears throat> facilitators and educators along the way and so usually people come to me with quite a let's you could call it a, a nebulous thing going on so it, it's usually f fatigue pretty much invariably there's gut dysfunction it might not be overt as in they might not complain of gut problems but when we do lab testing we are seeing um, either fungo bacterial overgrowth things like that usually and uh, when we do some some toxic exposure assessment for example hair testing or uh, chemical toxicity te to chemical toxicity testing we generally find uh, uh, higher levels of, of toxic metals lead usually mercury uh, I should say mercury and aluminum aluminum or aluminum for the American audience yeah aluminum the New Zealand is aluminum that, that drives me that, crazy that one <laughs> Aluminium. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would drive me crazy too. Uh, who is Al and why is he aluminium? Why are you talking to him like that? Um, <laughs> yeah. So we we find we we find usually people people that are uh, uh, have not been able to get help from from the the, the regular means out there, um, and they're they're coming with a bunch of different things. So the the way the way we kind of help those people is. Instead of focusing, it would it would be a big mistake to just start focusing on on fixing things, right? Fix the gut, fix the thing. Uh, someone that has six, seven different symptoms like brain fog, fatigue, uh, maybe sleep problems, uh, 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 trouble focusing, sort sort of cognition mm -hmm. issues. It's a nebulous thing. So if you if you start uh, treating, let's say, uh, in in the sick care system, if you start treating six, seven symptoms with six, seven different drugs, let's say we're going to cause a lot of problems while the underlying issues is, is probably going to get um, left left behind. Yes. And that will eventually, like you already mentioned, cause a bunch of other different things, right? Um, so what we do is literally it's as, as simple, quote unquote, as we just work to restore the person's health. And the way we restore a person's health is we have to start adding the nutrition that they require. A lot of these people are coming to us with various nutrient deficiencies. Most often, the minerals are very deficient in most people nowadays. I, I have not seen one person, especially a woman, who had sufficient levels of zinc, for example. And yeah. when you when you start breaking it down, you need zinc to to um, to produce hydrochloric acid to to digest your food. You need and to kill bacteria coming in. It's critical for the immune for system too, right? digestive enzymes yeah and the immune system and the eyes and and yeah. testosterone production just countless countless functions in the body so <clears throat> just one simple deficiency in zinc <clears throat> or insufficiency can start can lead to or, or predispose one to a number of different things and, uh, like i already the, the reason i mentioned the digestive um uh, component the hydrochloric acid and the the enzymes is if you stop or if you start digesting your food and killing the bacteria with hydrochloric acid less than optimally, you now immediately predispose yourself to a number of other issues. Obviously, 
small intestinal bacteria or fungal overgrowth, uh, pathogenic invasion, um, the inability to digest food coupled with some type of uh, uh, pathogen uh-huh. can cause leaky gut and then these particles can get into the bloodstream that can cause immune reactions and over a long enough timeline that can lead to autoimmune reactions and overt autoimmunity. And when the gut barrier breaks down, because similar, uh, the same or similar proteins are used in the gut barrier as the blood-brain barrier, if you have autoimmune antibodies created for these things floating around the blood, the the immune system can actually start attacking the blood-brain barrier. And from there, wow. you now are setting the stage for neuroinflammation, neurodegeneration. So something as benign as not being able to produce enough hydrochloric acid, which I, I would say the majority of people probably are suboptimal at, and not being able to digest food fully can then lead to also mal- malnutrition because you're not extracting right. as much out of the food as you can. So so the first thing generally, the first mineral <clears throat> I, <clears throat> excuse me, I often recommend to folks is a good zinc. And magnesium is another thing we just don't get enough of. And oftentimes people uh, uh, are lulled into a false sense of security. Let's say you eat spinach and greens. Yeah. You think, oh, spinach is high in calcium and, and, and there's magnesium in the greens. That is true, but uh, the bioavailability of calcium in spinach is about 5%. I, was, I, I looked at a paper, so it's on pubmed.com. It's on PubMed, the the NIH yeah. uh, repository for scientific research and articles. So 5% bioavailability, you're not really getting that much um, uh, calcium eating spinach. If you cook these greens, if you cook the vegetables, you do inactivate many anti-nutrients that there's a lot of in plant foods. Uh-huh. And you do increase the bioavailab- bioavailability of minerals. But a lot of people aren't doing that. And when we eat things like oats, for example, certain grains, they have <clears throat> lectins that can be inflammatory. They have phytates, which can bind and chelate the minerals in, 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 the, in the food. So a lot of minerals that we're eating are getting bound up by the, these anti-nutrients in the diet, and we're just excreting them. We're not actually absorbing right. them. And you, you bring up a couple one. things so, that uh, I was the, curious about. Um, so you probably see a lot of people with IBS related to all this yeah yeah a lot of ibs but, yeah uh, see, see so a lot of things that really resemble ibs for sure but that like. not necessarily has been diagnosed right right it, yeah, it's I, huge it's kind of a catch-all i i bet for uh, a lot of things with yeah. just general digestive issues yeah. and then the other thing that you brought up was um the bioavailability um and uh what about uh, zinc? If you want your body to uptake zinc, um, are there things you can take with it? To because I've, I believe I've read that zinc uh, doesn't immediately easily absorb by itself. I think it, do you, is it helpful to take like vitamin C or something with it? So vitamin C can be helpful. Other minerals seem to the, certain minerals seem to be synergistic uh-huh. and agonistic. So. Uh, like for example, if we're trying to replenish a, a very low iron level, which occasionally is seen with former plant-based or vegetarian folks, we would instead of just taking an iron supplement, ideally you want to take liver that has iron and copper and other elements, so they uh, and, and vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would kind of synergize. So with zinc, the the best way that I've seen 
uh, uh, that we use. If, if someone is like really low on zinc, the best way to to ensure that their body uptakes the zinc that you supplement is to take it actually to take it on an empty stomach. And if uh, in a subset of the population that doesn't actually sit well with them, they get nausea from the zinc. Yeah, I, so I'm one folks, of those. I have a hard time with taking a small zinc. Meal. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that a long time ago when I first started yeah. learning about it, and uh, it was just yeah, my stomach didn't really handle it very well. So um, I I do eat a little something whenever I take it. Yeah, so that that's the other way. As long as that little something doesn't have uh, too many plant plants, because certain polyphenols in plants are chelators or binders of zinc, so they inhibit ah, absorption. Okay. And grains, like I mentioned, phytate. There's okay. other things in grains like oxalate that so the the way to take zinc probably is the small if the small meal um, and also another thing is calcium can inhibit its absorption so I wouldn't take it with milk or dairy okay uh, or cheese I would take it with a small meal maybe maybe like let, let's say at the start of the meal if you're having like steak or or, or eggs or yeah. something like that or a piece of fruit I would take it at the start of the meal after you have a few bites of food. Uh, right. And then try to again uh, have it like more um, kind of animal-based, protein-based food or or fruit. Yeah. While you're on the topic, as a matter of fact, um, I was also looking forward to talking to you because um, I have recently gone uh, about ninety percent carnivore, and I I love my vegetables. Uh, you know, I, and I've always thought a, a good, healthy, balanced diet would include you know lots of greens and a moderate amount of meat. But um, I've recently been doing some research and, and actually talking to friends who have gone 100% carnivore. And I, I still yeah. have a hard time believing that, that they're 100% carnivore. But one of my friends who swears by it, he said he, he just had a whole list. He's been keeping track of probably about 50 different symptoms that he's been feeling that have just improved. He, he's saying mm -hmm. that like his hair is growing back. His memory is improving, no more brain fog. His vision has improved. He's gaining muscle. He's lost body fat. Just a whole list of things. And was, was his diet good to begin with or was it a bit, uh, let's say, standard? That, that's standard a good question. It was, it was probably pretty typical. Um, and, but since just going fully meat, um, all of those symptoms have gone away. Everything seems to have improved. Where do you yeah. sit on that whole idea? So I love the carnivore diet, especially if 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 you have autoimmune stuff, a lot of um, gut stuff. It can really help because a lot of the fibers and uh, again anti nutrients in in the plant foods they can they can really make things worse if you, if you have something going on. And I, I've done the carnivore diet. I love it. I love meat. I'm a big meat eater. Yeah. But what 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 you will probably find if you take somebody that's on a poor diet with a lot of health issues. If you put him on any diet that is changing things in a positive way, including vegan, mm -hmm. including vegetarian, ketogenic, carnivore, uh, Atkins, um, you know, paleo, generally they will improve. And a lot of that is because they're taking a lot of toxins out. If you just eat meat, you're not eating a lot of processed foods. You're not eating a lot of like hundreds and probably thousands of different chemicals on a daily basis and mouse right. fires and so on and so forth. So therapeutically the the carnivore diet is awesome uh but if you think about back in the day what what how did they eat the meat the people you kill the animal and generally they value the liver 
So yes. you, in my opinion, you, you want to eat a lot of organ meats to get the, the full spectrum of, of minerals and vitamins and nutrients. But uh, the other the other aspect is, so the liver, a fresh liver in a big animal has a lot of glucose in the form of glycogen. And the muscle meat, so the, the liver and the the muscle is where the the most glucose uh, in the form of glycogen is so, stored by the organism. So when you eat fresh meat and fresh liver, you're actually getting plenty of, of, of carbohydrates. Now, what I'm, I'm seeing as an issue on low-carb, ketogenic, and carnivore diets that don't have a, a significant amount of carbohydrates and the meat is kind of aged or whatever else, yeah. is people, they improve initially, but over time, the, the fact that it's low-carb actually becomes a stressor to the mm -hmm. person. And you don't see it. The younger you are and the healthier you are, you don't see it. But if you actually look at your blood work, you look at your, your stress hormones, they tend to go up because... If you're in this nebulous uh, position between ketogenic and and moderate to high carb, you're in, let's say, 50 to 150 grams of carbs a day. In that, you're not in, in that phase or in that state, you're not getting enough carbohydrates to run the brain and other bodily functions, and you're not uh, uh, creating enough ketones to to go fully keto so the, because the brain and certain certain uh, the like the blood um, the red blood cells you need about 150 grams to get created so if you were taking 100 grams of carbs today mm -hmm. the body has to let's say create 200 it will create that by raising cortisol by breaking down lean muscle tissue bone skin and even organs if it gets bad enough on a long long enough timeline so if you're doing carnivore I still think like uh, if you listen to Dr. Paul Saladino, he he started uh, promoting carnivore back in the of, uh, you know years ago as a ketogenic diet, but now he eats a ton of uh, fruit, a ton of honey. He drinks milks. My, I love it. You can definitely thrive on it as long as you you get enough carbohydrates. I believe. And what I've been doing actually this year, I was doing carnivore, not fully carnivore, but I was doing a lot of meat-based yep. liver and i was adding tons of fruit and a, a, a john a crap load of honey like if someone looks really? like honey they're like dude <laughs> did, you, did you like are you like trying to give yourself diabetes right but actually wow. honey can be used as a treatment for diabetes right so i some days wow. i'll eat 300 grams of honey so uh just to 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 answer your question carnivore great it can really help a lot of things, but make sure you still get honey uh, or um, fresh orange juice, organic orange juice, plenty of fruit. You want to get those carbs in because otherwise yeah. you will you will use stress hormones and breaking down bodily tissue to get that glucose up unless you fully get. Yeah, and I've noticed that uh, my energy level is I've, I've just felt a little bit. I felt good, but a little bit tired, um, a little bit lo lower energy. I don't get myself, yeah, kind of craving the carbs. carbs. Yeah, so I've started um, adding fruit to that and uh, feeling a lot better. But, yeah, yeah, honey, uh, we're in the land of honey, and, New Zealand uh, here. One so. thing about honey, I was just going to say that. So honey, because it, it's, uh, it can be up to 70% fructose, the, you, know, you know how they do these GI uh, glycemic index yes. tests? So if you take glucose, that's the highest GI, 100. So it's absorbed super fast. Right. But fructose has a GI of 19. So bread and, 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 and these other things uh, like starches, white rice, they have a very high GI, almost 
very close to like glucose. Yes. But fructose is actually pretty low. So even table sugar, because it's 50% fructose and 50% glucose, doesn't have such a high GI. So honey, not only are you getting other vitamins and minerals and, and phyto uh, or other chemicals that we don't even know about yet. So it doesn't actually mess with your blood sugar. So at the end of a meal, wow. let's say I have a steak and some liver or something like that. I'll take two tablespoons of honey or even in the morning, first thing, I'll have two tablespoons of honey or last thing at night. No, no, sorry. Not last thing at night, but let's say 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m. I take a, a tablespoon to two tablespoons of honey because what that does is it re, uh, it fills up your liver with glycogen. And now you won't wake up in the middle of the night because you're running, running low on blood sugar and the stress oh, hormones kick in. So these little things, you sleep better. You get less hangry. You 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 get less sort of hypoglycemic. Um, in general, you just you crave uh, foods less. So if you eat all the macronutrients in every meal, it's probably the best strategy wow, for long term health. See, I knew I'd love having you on here, and I, I hope that guests <laughs> are learning some stuff too. Um, I've yeah, I've always loved conversing with uh, nutritionists and uh, I like referring my clients to nutritionists too. So I'm going to definitely add you to the list. Um, nice. I, if, if I want to refer clients to you, uh, how what's the best way to reach you, Christian? Uh, my website, I, I offer the initial call for free. We can just get to know each other, figure out uh, how I can help you. I can explain how I can help you. Yeah, I generally like to hear where people are at, a little bit of their health history, what they've done uh-huh. that's helped or not helped. And uh, so you can book that for free on my website. And there's a bunch of other stuff on my website. I, I offer courses. I have a book, on again, on autism and children's health. And um, some of my podcast episodes are on the website, christianjordanov.com. Okay. That's my name. I will put that on the show notes for this episode at libertynow.com. So... Make sure you go there and um, appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so another thing, while we're uh, just wrapping up here on um, about uh, you know healthy eating, um, plant diets, plant based diets. One of the, the reasons, one of the things that prompted me to start looking at the eating carnivore diet was uh, learning more about oxalates. And some of the foods that I love the most are supposedly really high in oxalates. And, you know, um, from time to time, I, <laughs> I've experienced like, uh, you know, a lot of joint pain, inflammation. Um, taking turmeric has helped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know part of that is part and parcel of mm-hmm. getting older. But I don't think that you, you know, just because you're older means that you have to have, uh, you know, painful joints all the time. And uh, so anyway, oxalates. Yes. Yes. What have you learned about that? And uh, can you benefit from reducing those, you know, maybe by avoiding the things that are high in that, like spinach and potatoes and tomatoes? Yes. Yeah, so spinach is an absolute oxalate bomb. If you go even on Wikipedia and say, you know, uh, oxalate contents of food, spinach is at the, at the top by a huge margin. So I haven't eaten spinach in three years, probably. Maybe I've eaten it once. Uh, I would definitely be cooking it if I'm eating it. And um, in general, I stay away uh, from most nuts, seeds, uh, grains, beans, pulses, legumes, all these things. Uh Generally, a lot of them do have oxalates and other anti-nutrients. So oxalates, first of all, the first thing they do is whilst in the gut, while kind of that bolus of food is um, um, traveling down your small intestine, they, what I said earlier, they chelate 
like phytate, oxalate, chelate, minerals like magnesium, calcium, iron, and some other ones. So they make those bio unavailable. The good thing though, is that at least that, that, that oxalate gets excreted because if you have a little bit of leaky gut and gut, gut um, uh, dysfunction, a lot, some of these oxalates can get into your bloodstream and they can form those oxalate compounds known as oxalate crystals inside your body and that they can those can get lodged in the joints like you like you said uh, but they can even go into like the kidneys actually kidney stones are 60 percent uh calcium oxalate when they've tested them right obviously it varies with every person they yeah. can get into the brain and one one uh one uh functional medicine doctor i was uh listening to him present um on autism he said that children with autism that have eye poking behaviors uh-huh. They've been found to have extremely elevated oxalates on the organic acids test, which is a test we, we run with my clients. And um, another thing is uh, candida and certain fungi. Yeah, candida and certain fungi can actually produce oxalate. They kind of hijack the the energy production metabolism and they really? can actually uh, produce oxalate as well. So usually when when I see, yeah, when I see candida high on um, on this organic acid test that I run on my clients, if candida is high, generally oxalates are elevated or or um, or, or pretty high. So with those ca- uh, with, in those cases, we don't just want to reduce oxalates. If we do, we want to reduce them gradually. Otherwise, we can have this thing called, called, uh, known as oxalate dumping. So you want to kind of gradually reduce your oxalate content in your food by about 5 to 10% per week. Um, and then any okay. candida, any fungal stuff you want to take care of. Now, about joint pain, there's also some research that it could be um it could be of uh, bacterial origin so if you have uh, some type of gut dysfunction mediated by uh, pathogenic bacteria or dysbiotic bacteria along with candida they kind of tend to go hand in hand that uh, that also increases intestinal permeability and that's when uh, like i was saying earlier little bits of undigested food can get into the bloodstream the body mistakes those for pathogens so it, it makes antibodies oh, to them okay. and yeah. over time this can kind of uh you can you can get sort of um uh, uh via mechanisms known as molecular mimicry um and neoantigens so like some of these things get stuck into our tissues and the body will kind of scan scan that create an antibody for it and then that antibody can then circulate in the blood and attack our own tissues so whenever there's joint right. pain we want to look at oxalates for sure, but we also want to look at the gut and see if, is there any underlying thing. Because one thing people have to really understand is if you have gut dysfunction, it can manifest solely as something unrelated. Like you might be pooping perfectly, no gas, no bloating, but you might be getting headaches, you might be getting skin stuff, joint pain, uh, neurological, only, only symptoms. And when you test a person, invariably they have some some type of gut stuff going on. So this is what I think is one of the biggest things we can educate the listeners is if you have things that are not related to the gut, but you have something in the gut that you you don't know about or your doctor doesn't know about, if you actually identify and address that, those things could even improve or even go away. Yeah. Well, I can see where, uh, you know, listeners or your anybody you're working with in your practice could really benefit by um, getting educated and then taking that information to their doctor. 
and and maybe getting the the right blood tests and helping them look a little bit further because you know what you're getting into mm-hmm. goes uh, beyond what most uh, GPs are taught in school. Most of them, I would say, these days are taught uh, you know in the pharmaceutical medical model, and they're just um, you know looking at prescribing something to you know again mask the symptoms. So I, yeah. I can see some real value in in uh, chatting with you about that. Um, fantastic. So, uh, Christian, what's the name of the book? What's the title of the book you wrote? The book is called Autism Wellbeing Plan, How to Get Your Child Healthy. Nice. And it, it's 300 pages long, close to 500 scientific references in there. So it's a, if I do say so myself, I believe it's one of the best, most comprehensive guides out there for, for parents of autistic kids to truly help their kids, truly, truly help them. Ah, that's fantastic. Is that on Amazon? It's on Amazon, yeah. Okay. I, I also offer, if you join my membership community, I I offer it as a free download, well, as a added download along with other courses. I have some courses, some free stuff, some, some courses that members can avail of and uh, other resources to help just reduce toxic exposures, improve your nutritional status. It's tons of things coming up in the pipeline. Ah, fantastic. Well, so uh, it all starts with ChristianYordanoff.com. Make sure that you go check out his website and then find out more about those other resources in his book. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. We didn't even really get into the the vaccines, which uh, I know you've done a little bit of reading about as well. And I would like to, yeah, I'd like to really dig into that maybe on a future interview. We can talk about that some more. Anytime, John. I'll make myself available anytime you like. Oh, brilliant. Perfect. Okay, super. Thanks. Well, again, uh, this has been John Verd with Liberty Now podcast and talking with Christian Yardinoff. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, folks, remember to be good, do the right thing, and keep asking questions. Have a good one.